Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Bear Droppings, the Sikkim 365 podcast on faith, family, and following Baylor athletics. I'm Curtis Schroeder, co-host and brother-in-law Jeremy Johnson's with me. It's episode 58 of the Bear nice. Droppings podcast. You can find us on Sikkim365.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, wherever, however you like to listen. Well, we came off a, a tough loss last week, Jeremy. It was really great, though, getting to see the Baylor Bears emerge from the Kansas game with a, a decisive victory that I hope will, will breed some confidence both in the, the team and in a uh, uh, little bit of a uh, rocky fan base in the last couple of weeks, for sure. Before we get <laughs> yeah. into all that, Jeremy, how are you this afternoon, my friend? Hey, man, I'm doing really well. We, we were talking about this uh, before we hit record, but it's really nice to be recording this in the middle of the day when we're it like wide awake. <laughs> it is. It's a totally different perspective, that's for sure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm literally locked in my office, so there's a chance somebody's like going to try to get in my office and uh, their attempt will be foiled. But, uh, or, but or they'll become an a, a unexpected guest on the podcast here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Although, so your unexpected guests are like other, you know, staff members on the church staff That's or, right. yeah. um, you know, maybe a, a member of your congregation that pops in right. for a quick visit. Right. My, my unexpected guests are like uh, the the four to eight month year olds that are probably playing out somewhere outside my door since I work from home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yours could be, a, a you know, an unsuspecting child. Mine might be a, a congregant in need of like pastoral aid. But like right now, like the answer is no. <laughs> That's, that's right. Child, figure it out yourself. You Your can, crisis you can, needs you to You can win. get your own milk. That's right. Did you ever see that video, like, from, was, I don't know if it was a year or two years ago about, there was, like, some guy on the BBC, some, ex, you know, some expert being interviewed on through Skype, you know, on BBC Live. Yes, yes. And, and the kid, like, crawls in through the door, and then you see his wife, like, make this play, like, totally just trying to be totally unsuspecting, comes in and grabs the kid and drags her out or whatever. Yeah. Just hilarious. Oh. That's how I envision my life sometime, yeah. and it, it has prompted me to, to lock the door and double-check the door is locked every time I go in. Yeah, anybody that, that works from home uh, even a little bit, you know, and has to do, like, uh, phone conferences and, and things like that, meetings online, that is a real nightmare that you just – a recurring nightmare that you have over and over and over again. A child's going to walk through this door and, and interrupt true. at a really important part. So that it's was true. awesome. It was awesome. Oh, man, you got to watch the game last weekend, didn't you? I did, and uh, it was, you know, a fun experience. I was actually brewing uh, beer with friends, and so um, I brought my laptop over, and uh, we're brewing outside, and it was like a cool, you know, cool, crisp fall afternoon, and uh, it was great just to have the, the Baylor game on, and wasn't able to focus on it as much as I wanted to. So I, I watched the game again last night and, uh, man, uh, a lot of encouraging stuff. Um, uh, so I, I was, I was very happy with the outcome obviously, but a lot of fun to brew beer and, and, uh, to do it while watching some Baylor, uh, football. So that was, that was sure. cool. And you've what got you got family. What's that? Oh, you got family coming in town the next couple of weeks too, don't you? I do. Uh, so uh, uh, my dad, your your father in law, uh, my dad's coming up in uh, like two weeks, along with my uncle Rebel. Uh, they are both flying up here, and they are going to be helping me build a deck. So that was, I guess, another <laughs> big thing. Uh, I, I finally got a permit from the township so that I can build a deck attached to my house on my property. It's, it is the craziest thing uh, that you have to sort of go in with fear and trepidation to the township building on your hands and knees and, and beg, uh, you know, and, and 
multiple visits. You know, this doesn't all happen at once. Multiple visits uh, to the township building, you know, uh, showing them your plans and your material list. And it was just this whole big ordeal. But do they operate kind of like an HOA? Like what's their what's their big quip that it's done well or that's done to a specific look or standard? That it's up to international building codes. Um, So they want it. You know, they wanted to know the spans between each particular uh, post. Uh, so they wanted to know the lengths of the joists. Uh, they wanted to know uh, all of my materials. I had to show them uh, my material list. This uh, is and, a two and by then, four. And <laughs> so I had to give them uh, uh, a plan uh, of my whole property so they know how much, um, uh, you know, uh, space I'm using on my property impermeable soil percentages and then they had to actually have the plans for the deck so it's just been this long drawn out process but uh the the hard part (laughs) hasn't even (laughs) begun (laughs) i still have to build the stupid deck but uh but we still have help and some people that that know what they're doing yeah but the guy that that was doing this is like a very oversized barney fife that i'm dealing with (laughs) in the township building extremely oversized and, um, you know, my second visit there, um, he, he, you know, he gives me the, the thumbs up, but then tells me that I need him to come out after I've dug all the holes. Then he has to come back once the, um, uh, the joists are in place. And then he has to come back a third time to approve the deck once it's completed. And you're just kind wow. of thinking like, I kind of wish I was living in the South. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know if it's the same sort of thing in in Waco? Like if you like wanted to build a deck, like do you have to get a permit? Probably, but you're probably not talking to the right guy because I feel like anytime we've done work like that, we've avoided the whole permit thing. But uh, (laughs) not that uh, anybody needs to come check on on that by any means. But no, I mean. It's up here, dude. Like you you, want to put a a new like outlet in, like get a permit. It's wow. crazy. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. I don't think it's quite that that strict down here. No, but I, I've been dealing with, this is later than I, I would have had to, but we moved, I think we told folks we moved about seven or eight months ago and moved from our, our city life, if you want to call living in Woodway, Texas, city life, um, out about 10 minutes into country life in Lorena, and we moved on to about four and a half, five acres. And so obviously trying to transition into like, how do you maintain five acres of land? And it allowed me to get a zero turn mower, which was pretty awesome. But Are now we're in Are you enjoying mowing, by the way? Oh, I'm loving mowing. Like I know, I know there's a couple of our listens, listeners. Uh, Jason Fuller, I believe, is, is one of them that uh, listens while he's uh, <laughs> list, or listens to our podcast while he's mowing his lawn. So um, I totally get that of of listening to podcasts and such while you're mowing and just kind of getting. But it's going a lot faster for me now too. Like I can get it all done in about an hour and a half, two hours, uh, which is a, an upgrade on speed for sure. Yeah. But uh, but my complication isn't uh, around permits, but I the taxes on this whole thing because it was. 10 acres originally and then the owner split it into about a four and a half acres and our friends bought the other five and a half acres uh, so just all the taxes stuff i've had to work on homestead exemptions and tax documentation and all that fun stuff so i think we finally have it resolved but we're uh, we're moving forward it's all good stuff we're growing up curtis we really Man, are all this stuff just adulting is hard we're, like, we're growing up we are grown up we're grown up but uh Well, how about we jump into Off the Top for this week? Let's do it. And for Off the Top this week, we want to nerd out a little bit about a small (laughs) detail of Baylor's 
a promotional commercial that is airing during football games this season. Uh, there was some interesting discussion, uh, heated debate about this on the Sikkim 365 boards, and some of you may have noticed it, but Baylor seemed to be unveiling a slightly updated interlocking BU logo mm. at the very end of the commercial. Mm. So um, there have been some images of this uh, out there on social media, um, and you can probably find the video on, on YouTube. Uh, but the BU logo, that's kind of what we want to hone in on for a second. It seemed to be slightly more aggressive, a little bit more modern, I think. Yeah. Uh, but the big change, uh, apart from just the, 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 the design, uh, was a slightly different gold color. I think the green color was like the same, uh, but a slightly different gold color. So for well, off, this, off, off the top this week, the question is, what did you think of the new logo? Um, and in particular, the new gold. So what do you think of it? Well, so I have, it's, it's not going to come to any surprise for listeners of this podcast who've listened for more than three or four weeks that we talk about logos, we talk about unis, we talk about colors like pretty frequently. So we've yeah. been in this game a, a long time thinking and talking about this sort of thing. And so my initial reaction is, is one that I've, this logo came out maybe eight or nine months ago, I believe, right. when the Light Shine Bright uh, campaign was initially released. Like, that was part of the promotional materials for that. And I remember even there's a billboard near campus that was the an original or Light Shine Bright campaign billboard that had that logo. And if I remember right, there was some commentary on the Second 365 boards about that. And I feel like somebody had said, like, oh, no, this was just, you know, for that campaign. It wasn't really a reflection of, of a change in... Um, graphic standards or anything for Baylor. So to see it kind of rear its head again now and the commentary around it not being this isn't a temporary thing, I think that does give credence to this is maybe the direction that they're going, right? So um, overall, I think I like it. There's a couple things about it I don't love. Like there's a, a little, it, it sounds super like picky, but there's a little notch that's in the U that doesn't really make sense. You see all the notches, you know, in the serifs or whatever that are kind of near the top or near conjoining uh, you know, parts of the of the letters. You see kind of a second one that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But what I do like is that it kind of reflects the um, the lettering, the kind of Baylor font from athletics. It's a little more modern, right. and it certainly sticks out differently than like a Boston University. If and we've for years and years going back to even being students, you know, who's the real BU? Like and even kind of differentiating BU logos. Um, I think this will certainly help that. So. I like it. Um, I'd like to see that that second notch get get kind of moved away. But one thing that's kind of interesting, I haven't really compared the gold to know for sure that it's a different standard. But my first job out of college, I was working for Baylor and I was working in what was back then called conference and event management. And I was doing communications and then we got you know overhauled and moved to like event services, or whatever they called it. But I was doing comms for the, that group. And I remember like getting inundated with Pantone colors and like knowing this is the Baylor green. This is the Baylor yellow gold. Yep. This is this is old, you know, Vegas gold is the Pantone color for uh, the the kind of uh, more gold that, that you and I have preferred over the years. So, you know, I'd have to go in and see if this is really different than the standard. But even looking on the website, you know, if you go to Baylor.edu slash lights, you see that logo and you see it contrasted to the to the yellow gold up in the top corner uh, of the the Baylor logo or the institutional mark. So I, I, I could see it lightening up a little bit. Um, I like it more than I thought I would, I think, is, is and I'm a little surprised by that. But that, I've been talking a lot. What do you think about the logo and about the color? So I like the, the logo. Um you know, I think it's going to take a little bit to get used to, but overall, I like it. I think it looks modern. I think it looks slightly more aggressive. 
I think it looks uh, academic enough, but it still has like a sporty edge to it. So I th- I could see it working uh, with athletics and still like being a good logo for Baylor as an academic institution. I like the new y- yellow, um, mm-hmm. and I'm saying yellow because I yeah it, it, <laughs> I don't it's not like Vegas gold, but it's also not like the go- the orange gold that I hate. I, that's what I hate the most. I hate the orange the orange gold that yep. comes out from on some Baylor stuff. Uh, even kind of like what we have in the end zones that like drives me crazy. Like that's orange yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm hoping. Uh, fingers crossed, but I'm hoping that this is where things are going for all of the uniforms and that yeah. we will go away from each sport having their own color schemes yeah. um, where, you know, baseball has one color scheme and, and uh, softball has a different color scheme. And then men's basketball has a really different color scheme. And then and Baylor and, football has joint color schemes. Baylor football <laughs> has like the field has a different color scheme than the uniforms for crying out loud. So I would like things to get made <laughs> uniform uh, hey. uh, 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 university wide and if that means that we have to go away from the vegas gold um i'm okay with that i'm okay with that which is I a lot be, of growth for you and for me I feel like, is, to say that it right? is because I, I love the vegas gold but what i want is exciting new uniforms that that pay homage to the past uh and are exciting in terms of generating a buzz with recruits going forward so that's what i want and baylor hasn't always had vegas gold helmets i mean if you do a deep dive into the annals of history you'll you'll find that there were white helmets and there were green helmets and and so it's good to go back and and to be reminded of that so it is and it's actually so two two things i'll say is on the helmet issue i actually had a conversation about this with my buddy joe phipps who <laughs> he he came up to me at church on sunday a longtime friend we were in small group together three or four years ago and um he goes hey I was thinking about you this week, and there's a website that you should uh, you should really check out sometime. It's called Sikkim365.com, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, no, great website." Nobody goes, and I don't, he goes, "I don't know if you're into podcasts, but you should listen to this this Fast Friday podcast. Yes. It's, it's just fantastic, and, and they just do a great job." And I'm like, "Yes, I totally agree." And then, of course, I had to slip in there. I, I don't know. Have you ever heard of the Bear Droppings podcast? Maybe that's more of a, <laughs> a referendum on the, what people know or what they don't Our know about us, which yeah. is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. Hey, I'm a, I'm totally okay with it. But uh, anyway, so but we were talking about it, and and it caused me to go back in. If you go to Helmet Hut, which is like, and or even send, I think there's a lot of helmet history online too. Baylor, since the the original days, has had the old gold, Vegas gold type shells on on their helmets. But there was a period in the late '60s, early '70s, when Bill Beal, Bell, Bill Bell. Whatever Joe was talking about this right for three years, where they went to a white helmet. So right. that wasn't a a super um, uh, accomplished <laughs> tenure for for Coach Bell in that in that period. And uh, I don't think they were were um, very good in that realm. But I, I started to look at those helmets and seen some replicas of those even more recently, where you kind of like you see the yellow that kind of lighter yellow stripe yep. on that, and you kind of go, okay, I, I can kind of get on board with that. And I like the white helmet. And then when the green helmet made its first introduction, I believe it was in like '05. Um, when we first saw that, which was, you know, in my first years as a Baylor student, um, you know, I, I think we kind of have seen that. So moving to more of a, a white 
green scheme moving away from gold, which certainly is is where we see the, think they're going, and not so subtly they the gold helmet does not really show up in any materials this year. Well, um, and Amy Pageant has talked about this, but like when they wear in the current uniforms, you know, or well, I guess last year with the gold helmets. It's not the same gold as is on the jerseys, right? It's like a tan right. color in the jerseys. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, it, it's really frustrating. It's like, just just have one color gold, you know? Right. And, and uh, yeah. I think that's where we're going. And it's yeah. going to be a change. And I'm ready for that change. I was, and I'll say one one last comment on the uniforms and on the helmet, I think, or in, on the logo side of it. I judge any design, uniforms or otherwise, by is it, something that's going to have longevity is it going to be classic and i think you know you, you've seen the baylor like athletic bear you've seen what they did in the 90s with the kind right, of the like, crazy bear or growling yes bear. Uh, those were designs that probably were okay like as they came out but they just didn't hold weight for longevity but what you've seen with the baylor word mark the athletics word mark that has that little bit more aggressive look to it what you've seen even most recently with these these football uniforms there's a, there's a classic element to them. So really, that's all I care about. If, if As long as we have uniforms that kind of speak to modern but have a little bit of classic to them and that they'll last more than just a year or two and be right. comfortable, uh, I'm good with that. So, yep. All right, man. Well, hey, let's jump into the action. we got to talk a little bit of Kansas and get into the, the upcoming week against uh, OU. Uh, but, hey, you know, we both said that this Kansas game was a must-win game. So now coming off of that, do you still feel that way? Was it must-win? And, and how did that win impact your emotional health after what we I think we both called a dominant performance? Yeah, I, I absolutely feel uh, relieved, you know, <laughs> from a fan's perspective. I, I viewed Saturday as must-win. Uh, and I felt the same way about ACU. I felt the same way about UTSA. I, I thought those games were all must win. And to Duke, I guess, uh, uh, to a lesser ex- extent, uh, I had a heightened sense of urgency for the Duke game. Mm-hmm. But I think in conference games going forward uh, on this side of a Kansas victory, we can take a little bit more of a relaxed approach as a fan base. Not as the team, but... It, it's not going to be as stressful watching football on Saturdays because we've got to three victories. Yeah. We were hoping for four, but we got to three. And right. going forward, you know, for those of us that have said, you know, the the measuring stick for this season is a bowl game, we've got to get three more victories, but they can come from any three games. And so to, to me, I'm, I feel like I'm actually going to be able to, like, enjoy watching football games a bit more or uh, maybe a better way of saying that is I'm going to be less stressed out watching Baylor games going a bit forward <laughs> because it's like uh, going again to OU this week, I just want a good performance. I just right. want us to play well, and I'm less worried about the outcome. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes total sense. And I think I think in general you, you, you hit on a point that it was really was kind of the crux of my thought on this too is that must win is contingent on being clear about what you must win for. Right. Right. So the bar this year has been set at getting to a bold game. That was the offseason narrative from Rule, from most people, including you and me, who looked at Baylor getting somewhere between five to seven wins. So from the perspective of getting to a bold game, yeah, it was a it was a must win uh, from that perspective. Because we're halfway there. I mean yeah. that's that makes a huge difference coming out of conference play halfway there, knowing just how stacked and um you know there's just so much to the the upper echelon and even the middle of the pack of the big 12 so getting 
four wins versus needing to get three wins out of the next, um, you know, the next Big 12 games are going to be that that makes a huge difference for us. Yeah, so and, and the Big 12 is so crazy this year. Um, basically, anybody can be anybody. I, yeah. I, I know that's painting with broad strokes, but this past week just showed us like you can't assume anything. You can't Not assume anything. And I think Baylor's going to be part of that narrative where you can't just assume that you are going to play the Baylor Bears and escape with a victory. Like, right. You can't Being in the bottom third or even lower of the Big 12 is still a risky place to be for anybody playing us, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think we showed, we, we demonstrated on Saturday that we might be towards the bottom of the league, but we're obviously not where Kansas is. Kansas yes. is still uh, the doormat. And, <laughs> and, you know, to win as decisively as we did against a team that put, I think, a 50 burger on Rutgers. Yes. Um, yes. And held them to seven points. And held them to seven it. points. You know, I'm just so, so encouraged. So I just feel an incredible sense of relief um, going forward. You know, any game that we lose from this point on, the I'm not really as concerned about the outcome of that game. I'm more concerned with how we play. Um, yeah. And and so I can, you know, we, we just wanted to get through non-conference and week four with Kansas with three wins, and we did that. And so yep. I'm happy. Yep. Absolutely. Now, we just talked about it from a fan's perspective, but from a player's perspective, how important do you think uh, a win against Kansas is? (laughs) Well, obviously, we're not we're not in the locker room, but I yeah, we're not Dan, so we don't. We're not Dan Shoutcross here, (laughs) the player's perspective, right? But no, I I genuinely think it was huge from the player's perspective too, because the two big headlines that emerged to me from this game were confidence and, and a looseness, right? So we talked about last week about. The momentum, and even you just alluded to it, that Kansas had a, a coming off a blowout win against Rutgers. They're they're two and one, just like us. And they certainly thought, you know, I'm sure that they could catch us in a moment of, of weakness as well. Uh, but we, I think, you know, at this point, we're recording on Tuesday. We've all heard the the legend multiple times now of Nick Florence and the speech he gave to the team on Friday night, where he you know goes back and talks about his first year as a starter, coming off of RG3's Heisman year and dropping to four and five after a really hot start, and and kind of facing that crossroads as a team. And then how the kind of mentality, I guess, of the team really switched from being focused on is it the offense or how do we get the offense clicking to to the defense? How do we make stops? It was about team and having your brothers back. And so there was pressure on that team, certainly, back in in 2012. There was a lot of expectations for the program. You had RG3. The program's certainly on the rise. That group didn't want to be the drop-off, and they turned the ship and won the next four games in the Holiday Bowl. And then that paved the path for Big 12, back-to-back Big 12 titles. So I think I think there's a different pressure on this team right now. If you think about, you know, contextually, you're coming off a, a rough few years with a scandal and huge coaching change and instability there. You're coming off a one in eleven season. You've got highly ranked recruiting classes the last couple of years. You've got some big name transfers that are finally getting their shot on the field. Right. So it, it may not really be reality, but I do would imagine that the team and many of the players probably think that this is a turning point for the program. It's an inflection point. Uh, but I think Nick Florence actually took the pressure off a bit, got the focus off of trying to execute X's and O's and challenge them to just go out and play. And then you even saw it. I don't know if you you saw this uh, you know, on the on the broadcast, but you saw it in Rule's demeanor on the sideline too. I, I saw him probably more emotional than I've seen him in the past. Well, they got Mem- a big stand against Kansas. And uh, if memory, memory serves me right, this was in uh, the first half. 
and forced uh, a, a kick off, uh, or a field goal attempt for Kansas. And then uh, the kick is wide right. Yes. And he just like runs up to Phil Snow. Yes. You know, says something to him in his ear and then like gives him a gut punch, like way to go. Yes. I think that they were seeing things from the defense uh, that they've wanted to see. Um, Disguising looks well um, in particular. And I think it was really throwing Kansas off and to get stops uh, and to hold Kansas. Was it where did we hold? We held them to no points in the first half. No points in the first half and just a touchdown in the second. I mean, this is what rule has wanted all along this is what he's wanted all along and so that was really really exciting you're describing the exact scene that i that i have just kind of replaying in my mind i need to find that that uh, clip of of coaching uh rule and snow kind of you know hamming it up on the sideline because i think i want to gift that but yeah i think in the same way his confidence brings to the team his emotion his excitement does the same so yeah i mean i think it was an important game that's going to have repercussions throughout the season yeah well we got to talk uh a little bit here about quarterback play uh it's been back and forth between brewer and mcclendon all season long up to this point but brewer got the start and he came out really strong uh he was 19 uh uh, for 27 for 221 yards he had three uh touchdowns uh no interceptions so curtis what did you see this week out of charlie brewer um and and what gets you excited going forward yeah, well, first, I think you have to acknowledge the the consistency that Brewer showed, yeah. which not only earned him the start, but probably helped him avoid the back and forth of the TQB approach that the team took in the first three games, right? I remember he looking at... really accurate, I thought, on Saturday. Super accurate, um, and had the, the swagger and confidence, too, on, on the field. Uh, but I remember looking at midway through the second quarter and thinking, dang, we've only seen Brewer to this point and being excited about that and it feeling really natural. I think I texted you guys, you and Daniel just were like, Hey, maybe we should switch over to McClendon now just for fun or something like that. Yes. A little sarcastically. Right. But no, but overall, I think Brew, you mentioned it was efficient. I think his athleticism and mobility really opened things up and gave Kansas some problems because not only did they have to honor the run game, which we, we can talk about a little bit more, but they had to honor the Brewer run game and they had to honor the passing game. And then we capitalized on that. So we're, we're still talking about Kansas, but we're talking about a defense that, that came in really hot, a Kansas defense that came in hot. And then even after the Baylor game, they're ranked second in the Big 12 in uh, scoring defense. They're third in the Big 12 in total defense and still number one in the Big 12 in turnover margin. Yeah. And so, you know, and to not turn the ball over against that defense, that's that's not saying or that is saying a lot, I'd say. Right. Well, and what do Charlie you did a lot with his feet, too. So he had 12 carries from almost 60 yards. So you're looking at five yards a carry, basically. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was he was doing a lot with his feet, even, you know, when he was flushed out of the pocket and making great throws. So I'm just very, very excited about Charlie. I think he's a smart runner. Um, I think Rule said, you know, he could do a better job of getting down because he, he <laughs> took a couple of hits. But sure. the bottom line is, you know, as a as he seems like a more soft spoken guy. Um, a guy that leads by example and uh, is less of a vocal leader. And as a sophomore, that's a true sophomore that probably uh, isn't super rare for that to be the case. Um, And so to me, for him to win the locker room over, for him to get the guys to like really buy into him as the starter, I I like seeing him take on a tackle here and there, um, even though I also wince and think, 
please go down. Don't get hurt. But uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, you like it at the same time. And uh, he's aggressive. Uh, there was one first down that he got, I think, in the first half. And, uh, you know, he put his body on the line and he gets up and then just, you know, points for a first down. And he was pretty fired up and animated about it. And, um, you know, I think that's cool. I, I like to see that. Uh, I like him to see him playing passionately and, and uh, you know, uh, he was fired up. Yeah, no, I, 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 this wasn't beating Texas. It wasn't beating OU. Uh, but Kansas wasn't a slouch either. And I think, you know, just as we talk a little more broadly about the offense too, we, we asserted our will against them and earned the right in a lot of ways to try to work out that run game a bit because we jumped on them so early. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier, but we went up 23 nothing at halftime. That was a huge boost. Um, we balanced, I feel like, the run game out a bit with the passing game, yep. rushing for 190 on 39 rushes. I think that's going to pay dividends, especially next week as we start to talk about OU and how Army attacked OU. Yep. Um, but I also think we were able to overcome some really tough penalties, which that's certainly an area that everybody acknowledges needs to be cleaned up. You can't you can't give up 141 yards on penalties. Many of those were certainly on the offensive line. But I think back to the second possession of the game, penalties were pushing them out of short yardage situations. You had a legal man downfield. You had a hold. We showed tons of resilience there, and that's where we ended up kind of you know, capping off a solid drive with Platt's first TD of the year. And I, I don't think we'd have that same success if penalties aren't cleaned up next week, like when you're talking about playing OU. But it was a different ballgame than when we were playing Duke and the, how the penalties stifled the, right. the drives versus overcoming them. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it this is going to feel a little bit like listening to one of our podcasts during basketball season where I complained about officiating Watching the game a second time to me kind of just highlighted the fact that I was not excited about how this game was officiated. And in particular, uh, that the hit on uh, um, Thornton, I, I, yeah. I just I thought that was really, really bad. And if you weren't at the game, the announcers on Fox on FS1, they they were upset about that. I mean, that was just really, really awful. And then for them to call a holding penalty on the same play, it just compounded An the offset, frustration. Right. Um, but to your point, we didn't let it stifle us, and we went on to score a touchdown, I think, that drive. So, yeah, that's exactly right. That's uh, right. I think that was the throw to Fleeks. Um, yeah. No, that that was the Platt drive. I th- oh, no, 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 you're right. The Tycon Thornton drive. Yeah. That's right. That was to Fleeks on that one, which is so, awesome. But. Well, well, man, well, as you as you start to think about the the other side of the ball too, yeah. and we could talk about offense all day long. What stood out to you most about the defense and what they did against Kansas? Uh, to me, it it it's about Derek Thomas. Um, mm. I thought he was incredible in coverage. I thought he was he took away that entire entire side of the field, and um, you know my thought process going forward is, you know, if Derek Thomas is what a Phil Snow uh, and a Fran Brown defense gets you in three or four years, I'm excited. (laughs) If this is what our corners and safeties are going to be able to do in three or four years, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Um, He was incredible. He was really, really incredible. And so uh, I am so excited about watching him going forward. I think he's really going to continue to help uh, the guys that we already have on this roster and mm-hmm. and, and young t- young guys that are contributing. So really good to see uh, JT Woods stepping up. He was involved. So, you know, he, he almost that, had a pick six, too. He almost had that pick <laughs> six. And, you know, that you know, the ball gets to you pretty quickly. 
Um, and, and so he almost had a pick six, but then for Phil Snow to, to call his number, uh, I think on the next drive or two drives later, uh, to get a big time sack was really, really cool. Um, so I, I'm just really excited for where this defense is, is headed. Um, it, it's, it's really, really encouraging. Um, what though, when I, when I look at, at Derek Thomas, I, I just, uh, if he's a picture of the future, I, I'm super excited. And also, James Lynch continues to be a stud. Yeah. Uh, really excited that he was able to get a sack. Greg Roberts with a sack. B.J. Thompson had a sack. So uh, that was really, really cool um, uh, to, to see that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, you know, you could talk about a, a number of different areas of the defense, but if you look just as a whole, what they did in the first half in particular, again, getting off to a fast start on offense, then shutting out Kansas in the first half and only giving yep. up one score in the second half. That's that's huge. And I, I think in general, the defensive line was the highlight of the game by controlling the line of scrimmage. They got pressure on the quarterback, like you just described. But maybe most importantly, they held Puka Williams, who had a huge game the week before uh, against Rutgers. They, they held him to 89 yards total rushing and I think 70 or so of those were on that one big play in the third yard or third quarter that ended up leading to their only score of the day so you know giving up only one big play like that and and being able to kind of respond to 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 what Kansas was giving up but I like on that play it's what we've seen before though right yes it's it's Chris Miller he was I think it was Chris Miller he was coming from the side and you you have Puka Williams this really really um, uh, dynamic r- running back, and he just—I think he just took a bad angle. Yeah. Um, and and so it's 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 all about gap integrity. It's all about being in the right place with this defense. Um, and, and and but apart from that play, we shut him down. Oh yeah, to totally shut him down. Shut him down. Yeah, and I I think to to the point about James Lynch earlier too that you made. I think he's to me the highlight of the year and highlights the progress that the defense has made this year. He's tied for second in the Big 12 in sacks. He's in the top 10 for tackles for loss. And so far, the Baylor defense is number two in the Big 12 in passing defense. They're fifth in total defense. So you have to give credit where where credit's due. And an important stat, too, I think Matt Rule coached teams have won 29 straight games when they're leading entering the fourth quarter. So obviously that dates back to his and Snow's days at Temple's. But when we scored first which has been in our first three of our four games right and uh the only one i think we didn't score first was against duke yep when we jump on teams quick and when the defense actually steps up like they did on saturday they hold and we carry that momentum through into the fourth quarter uh, the results are starting to show so i'm really excited about what's next for the baylor defense which despite all of our talent on the offense which there certainly is no uh shortage on that the defense might actually become our primary identity moving forward, and I'm I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, it's a little bit and, different. It's a little bit different. But. And I don't want to live in the past, but as time goes by, the the loose the the, the loss to Duke is going to be viewed more and more as a quality loss. <laughs> Not that the the playoff committee cares <laughs> right. about about that, but but when you from, see them crack the top twenty five, yeah, there's some credence to what yeah. they they put I, up. I on think that, right? in uh in, in an ACC this year that has some good teams duke is actually going to make some noise yeah and it starts on the defensive side of the ball for them but honestly they looked really good both sides of the ball and you know our loss to them it just shows we're obviously not a team that can play poorly and still expect to win um but 
our only loss to this point is to a team that I think is a very good team um, yeah. and would do very well in the Big 12, parenthetically. So I'm I'm excited. It, I, I, I'm, I'm very, very excited going f- forward. Um, I, I, I do want to ask you this. Uh, we're seeing more and and um, um, more uh, young guys getting involved. What what does mm-hmm. that tell you about where things are heading for the rest of this year and and maybe in the years going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it. You're starting to see youth get time, which yeah. is really important, and I think the redshirt rule plays into that a, a bit. Yeah. Um. So I think we'll even see that come to fruition more later in the year. Um. As as the you know some of our you know Craig Williams and um, Braylon Taylor and Squirrel kind of get their their chance um, as well in, in whatever four games they get. But um, you know, to me right now, the 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 story about youth has been around the offensive side of the ball, in particular Tyquan Thornton and Josh Flakes. They're wow. they're the future on offense. They're I'm really glad, at least at this point, that they're getting their reps because they've served as a really a much needed spark for us. So yep. Uh, you know, Fleek's leading receiver on the day got his first touchdown as a bear, but uh, so he came in and made a difference. Tyquan Thornton made a couple big plays, including what you described earlier that huge p- first play of the second quarter where he got um, behind the secondary, made a great touch for a touchdown, and then and then the play where he stood in and took that big hit and he yeah. caught the ball, right? So, yeah. you know, we can talk about the targeting pen- penalty or the lack of targeting penalty all we want. Um, but he caught the ball. To me, that was the bigger you know, dynamic there. He stood in there, took a hit, and uh, but still made the play. But on top of that, you've seen Christoph Henley make some strides yep. early too from the tight end position. That was a really, about. really nice little play. He came out. He faked like he was blocking. Yes. And it's like five yard out, zipped. and uh, right. and then he didn't go down right down. away. I mean, it was no, a nice, didn't. nice run from that guy after the catch. Yes, and you've seen JT Woods, you described, he's playing a lot and he's yep. had a chance for the pick f- six in the first half. And then Christian Morgan's been getting a lot of time. So yep. I think you, know, you ask, what does this tell you about where things are heading? I think they're headed towards the guys who can play, and a lot of the guys that can play are actually, you know, we're seeing that from the the youth as well. But anybody else that you that we didn't talk about that stands out? Well, I want to talk about Fleeks for a second because, yeah. you know, Everybody has been saying, you know, this team has world class speed. And and when we said that, when we said that last year, we were pretty much talking about one person. We were talking about Chris Platt. Mm-hmm. And I love Chris Platt. I really am grateful for Chris Platt. But it it's never it's not clicked qu- quite yet for Chris Platt like I was like I was hoping it would. Mm-hmm. Um and we've had explosive receivers in the past that it it's difficult, even if it's unfair, not to compare Chris Platt to those receivers and kind of feel like, oh, it's it's not quite what it used to be when we had explosive receivers in the past. Well, I get the sneaking suspicion that that Fleeks is very much in the mold of the explosive receivers we've had in the past. Yeah. Uh, I think he has the speed, obviously he has the speed, to beat people – uh you know on the deep throws but i actually think he has the quickness to take a long or or a short pass or an intermediate throw and then take it the distance because of what he can do with the ball in his hands so he he just seems really really explosive to me and uh, I'm really, really excited uh, to watch him. I, so that was a lot of fun on Saturday. And then Tyquan Thornton, 
um, is this guy. He's just skin and bone. He is just a rail. And I I don't think you can guard him. <laughs> right. I right. mean, he he and and the guy has great hands and has demonstrated multiple times now he's not afraid of catching it in traffic. You know, uh, I I love Jalen Hurd, but he he's still nervous catching the ball ball. It's not supernatural. And then you spit spit uh put little skinny Tyquan Thornton in there. He's making these throws over the middle, getting decked, you know, not dropping the ball and getting right up. And I just love it. It gets me really, really excited. So I, I'm super yeah. fired up about these young guys and and the two that you mentioned in particular. Well, and I, I don't think you, um, yeah, I try not to make too many comparisons. Right. But I, yeah, you look at Josh Fleeks. And I know he's he's from a weight perspective isn't quite up to to this, but size wise and and the type of player, I wonder if he's going to look like a little Antoine Goodley, you know, in a mm. few years. Just the the hard nose hard nosedness, if that's a word, uh, of the Antoine Goodley and the consistency that you'd see out of him and the spark that he could be. I don't know that he'll be a Corey Coleman type, right? But I do th- I see him as a very very consistent hard nosed football player that's going to give us a, a a little bit of that uh, aggressive nature. Yeah, he he's almost more of like a Tevin Reese in my mind because uh like Antoine Goodley was a running back build. I mean, he was kind of stocky if I can. He had put it he that had twenty way. pounds on Josh from where yeah. he was right now, maybe even closer to thirty, but yeah, but Tevin Reese uh is is the better comparison in my mind. And again, I, I'm hesitant to compare uh guys as well. Um, but man, Fleeks is so fast. He is so fast and uh i'm really excited to see him going forward he made that really difficult difficult uh catch charlie put it right on the money it was that out throw uh uh and um on the sideline and to see him catch it uh and the only place where that ball could have been thrown that it was really great defense he was covered well charlie makes a great throw he makes a great catch uh and then he had uh the ability to stay in bounds and turn up field um he's not just an athlete he's not just a, a burner he, he's a football player and i'm really excited to see what he's gonna do going forward you bet well hey let's let's uh fast forward a little bit a few days from now bears are gonna be heading to norman taking on the oklahoma sooners after they barely squeaked by army in overtime but what, what are you hoping to see from the baylor bears after the encouraging performance against kansas um i want us to succeed on on both sides of the ball uh, that sounds really generic, like coach speak. But I want to see mean, them win. Yeah, both sides uh, of the ball. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean by that, I think our defense is growing right now, and I don't think you're going to find a better test in the the country than Oklahoma right now. Um, and so I'm I'm really hoping that our defense steps up and is able to uh, to to shut down, not shut down, but slow down. Murray in a meaningful way to keep uh, us in it. And then, um, you know, any team in the country that has uh, a guy with the last name of Stoops as its defensive coordinator, I want to see Baylor move the ball on that defense. So, so um, the Oklahoma defense, they have a lot of talent, but I, I, I'm hoping that we can give, um, uh, Charlie Brewer just enough time uh, to throw the ball, uh, even if he's 
you know, if that means bringing him outside the pocket. Um, I don't really have hopes that we're going to be able to run the ball with our running backs in a meaningful way. But if Charlie can get another 50 yards or 60 yards against an Oklahoma team, especially if they're playing man coverage uh, and they have their backs turned to him, I loved seeing Charlie scamper for first downs this past week when Kansas was in man coverage and they didn't have anybody spying Charlie. I just thought that was great. You had to keep him honest, for sure. So keep him honest. So... You know, if that's if that's the only way we're able to move the ball on the ground, I'm okay with it. Um, and uh, so, so I don't have crazy expectations for this game. Uh, I'm not even necessarily hoping for a victory. I obviously hope we win, but my hope is that we play well on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, like you, I don't know that the Bears are going to have enough to pull it off this year on the road in Norman, coming no. off of a, a game that <laughs> that was so close. You know, they're going to have a lot of uh, energy, momentum, and focus. Um, any this well-coached OU team, but most importantly, I, I'm also not one to be trying to shoot for moral victories. I, I think that's weak. But you can't let this week be a let-up. To right. me, is what what it comes down to. So, what I want to see is mental and physical toughness on, like you're saying, on both sides of the ball. It can't be a let-up. I'd like to be pleasantly surprised. Maybe based on what we saw Army do to OU last week, we've got a shot. Like you're describing, if we can spread them out a little bit make make uh, Brewer keep him honest uh, from the run game, both in the quarterback run game and the running back run game. But if we can do that and we can keep them honest, we've got a shot, but just can't let up after where this team came out of the Kansas win. So I, again, not I'm not one to be pushing for moral victories. I do think it's going to be a tough battle. I would like to be proven wrong, but I think we need that same level of mental and physical toughness that we showed this last week to come up big this week at OU as well. I think there's a chance... Um this is where the sunshine pumping begins. I think there's a chance that having reached a third win uh, and playing a team that, that no one is giving us a chance to beat, that you see Baylor come out and play really free, really loose. Yep. Um, and even if we don't win, I think that there's a great chance, maybe even likely, that this is going to be the best game that we play. Mm. Um, and that's what I, that's what my hope is. I hope that this is our best game that we play. And then however the cookie crumbles, if we walk out of Norman with a victory, great. Am I expecting that? No, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it's absolutely within the realm of possibility that we play them very close and that this is the most complete game that you see from Baylor. And part of that is we've gotten a third win. Uh, it was a decisive win. Uh, against a conference foe, even though it was Kansas, and and we're starting to believe the system. I think we're starting to believe the system that's been put in place. And I think mm-hmm. the guys are starting to trust themselves, especially on defense, that they don't have to play outside of themselves. They can just play within the system and within themselves, and the results will take care of themselves. So, And, and one thing we haven't talked about, but when you have a guy like Drew Galitz that's helping control the field position, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that makes a huge difference. Yep. Um, and I think in, in a game like Oklahoma, time of possession obviously means a lot, like we saw with Army last week. But field position is going to mean a lot too. So you yep. don't turn the ball over, hold field position, give them a long field to work with uh, when we're when we're out on defense. Like that's going to be huge. And, and the way that Drew Galitz has been playing, I think that gives us a, a leg up this week, pun intended, Yeah. Um, as we move into it. I'm just really hoping that, offensively we drop uh, a game plan where 
Charlie is getting rid of the ball uh, quickly, uh, and we're rolling him outside of the pocket. I I I am not optimistic about how our offensive line is going to fare against um, um, the defensive front from OU. Uh, and so that's maybe the only thing I'm scared about. I, I just, I don't want to see Charlie, um, getting knocked out of the rhythm that he's in early on in the season, uh, because he gets roughed up. So that, that's, that's the one thing that, that makes me very nervous and something that I'll be watching really closely. So what's your prediction this week, man? What's the what's the score? How does it turn out? I think we lose by ten. Uh so I I think, you know, something like uh twenty to thirty, something like that. Um yeah. but I, I think Baylor plays well. Um and um, you know, I'm not about moral victories either. Um, but I, I do want to see this team take steps forward. And I think this game will be a step forward on both sides of the ball. Yep. I'm at I'm at 37-24, so in the 10 to 13 point range. I think OU pulls it off. But my hope is that it's different. And maybe we can catch them sleeping on a week where we're uh uh what are we, 21, 22 point underdogs as we as we yep. record right now. Yep. So come in loose, make a make a difference and catch them off guard a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely I definitely like us to to cover that spread. I I yeah, I, I, do too. I I think it's going to be closer than that. Um and uh and hopefully we we leave Norman with a W. Hope so, man. Well, we'll talk about that and more next week. I know there's been even news this week about a new potential basketball arena that maybe we can touch on next week as well. But yep. uh, uh, for those that are still listening, follow us, chat with us on Twitter at Bear Droppings BU on the Sikkim 365 boards. You can send us an email at beardroppingsbu@gmail.com. We'd love your review on iTunes or your podcast platforms. We love to share those on air. So anybody that uh, makes a review this week, we can certainly share and give you a shout out next week. But we appreciate you listening, appreciate you interacting, and thanks again for 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 being with us. We'll see you at the same time next week for Jeremy Johnson. This is Curtis Schroeder and the Bear Droppings Podcast. Signing off till next time. See you later.